Welcome to Creative Biolabs. 100% of the effort, 100% of the service. As a dynamic contract research organization, we are based in New York and serve the whole world. Our seasoned scientists are skilled in antibody discovery, antibody engineering, and biomanufacturing solutions. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Creative Biolabs podcast series. In today's program, we will continue to discuss gene therapy. But today we will be focused more on methods for gene delivery and gene therapy. We again invited our researcher Steve with us here today. Steve and his team have been researching gene delivery for more than 10 years. Steve, thanks for joining us today and sharing your rich experience in this field with us. Thanks for inviting me. It is great to be here. To begin today's program. Can you first tell us the basics of gene delivery? Sure. So we all know that. The cell membrane and other structures of the cell will form an impermeable barrier to large and charged macromolecules such as DNA and RNA. Gene delivery helps genes break through barriers and enter cells by appropriate methods or tools. So can you give us a few gene delivery methods? Sure. We have mainly four categories of gene delivery methods here. Naked plasmids such as circular covalently closed DNA molecules, or short regulatory nucleic acids, such oligonucleotides, and short interfering RNAs, that do not need to form complex with other molecules. For this method, we can deliver the genes by injecting them in vivo, or adding them to the extracellular environment of cultured cells. And we also have some physical methods, such as electroporation, can facilitate the entry of nucleic acids into cells. We can also chemical methods to transport nucleic acids into cells, the most common one such as lipofection. The last method is to embed the nucleic acid sequence into the viral genome, and then use the natural characteristics of the virus to enter the target cell with high efficiency. Using naked plasmids seem to be very simple and easy to implement. Does it have any disadvantages? Yes, I agree. Simplicity of production of use is actually its major advantage, and it can also be used for genetic vaccines. However, plasmids, oligonucleotides, and small RNAs can be quickly degraded, within a few hours to several days and lost its kinetics, which greatly reduce the effect of gene therapy. Do you see any way out of this problem? We can chemically modify them, to avoid degradation by cellular nucleuses. And so their persistence inside the cells can be significantly increased. And you also mentioned physical methods. Besides electroporation, are there other physical methods to promote nucleic acid into cells? Certainly. Other physical methods have been used by the scientists to facilitate the entry of nucleic acids into cells. For example, hydrodynamic intravascular injection, sonoporation, bombardment with DNA-coated microparticles, also known as gene gun and injection of DNA using high-pressure jets. All of them are essentially aiming at bringing the nucleic acids in strict contact with the plasma membrane, or determining the temporary localized disassembly of the membrane itself. This name, gene gun, is a very interesting concept. Can you elaborate more on this? Yeah. This method is to deliver DNA into the cells by bombarding them with micron-sized beads, carrying plasma DNA adsorbed onto their surface. The most utilized version exploits a special type of gene gun, shooting gold or tungsten particles at very high velocity into the tissues. These particles can easily cross the cell and nuclear membranes and release the DNA adsorbed on their surface into the nucleus. 
It is derived from experience gained from gene transfer in plants, where it was originally invented as a way to cross the rigid plant cell wall. Nowadays, it is applied in gene therapy of accessible tissues, such as skin. I like that it sounds very straightforward. So physical methods are mainly to modify the properties of biological membranes, using physical forces. Let's move on to the chemical methods, that transport nucleic acids into cells. What can you tell us about this method? Yes, instead, chemical methods are aimed at modifying the properties of nucleic acids, by promoting their association with molecules, able to reduce their hydrophilicity and neutralize their charge. Ultimately leading to an increased cellular uptake. The molecules used to facilitate gene transfer can be classified into one of three categories, liposomes and cationic lipids, proteins and cationic polymers. For those of you who might not be familiar with liposomes, these are closed vesicles formed by one or more lipid B layers surrounding a core aqueous compartment. A variant of liposomes are machelles, consisting of lipid spheres, lacking the inner aqueous compartment. Liposomes were originally developed in the 1960s and are now extensively used to convey different molecules in a variety of applications, like in chemotherapy, they can be used to transport antiblastic or antifungal drugs to prevent unspecific toxicity. So my question is, how do liposomes transport nucleic acids into cells? These molecules have amphipathic characteristics. Once dispersed in an aqueous solution, they tend to spontaneously assemble into a bilayer, first forming a sheet, and then closing up into a vesicular structure with a central aqueous core. When liposome formation occurs in a solution containing a nucleic acid, these are eventually found in the aqueous core of the liposome, and can thus be transported by it. Once in contact with a cell, liposomes can directly fuse with the plasma membrane, thus liberating their content into the cytosol, or more frequently, be actively endocytosed. That's amazing. I see they can be so useful in gene delivery. Now we are only left with the last gene delivery method, to embed the nucleic acid sequence into the viral genome. It sounds to me like it is using viruses as vectors for gene delivery. Can you introduce it in detail? This one is difficult for me to understand, because to me, viruses are more of pathogens to cause diseases, instead of being used as a treatment method. Yes, you are right. First, let's be clear about what a vector is. So a vector is a viral genome, that is modified to accommodate an exogenous sequence of the therapeutic gene. Viruses can definitely be used as vectors for gene delivery, and a large number of clinical trials have proved that, the effect of this method is encouraging. Their efficiency in infecting a vast series of different cell types, and their peculiar ability to integrate their genetic information, into the genome of the infected cells, can lead to permanent genetic modification. Can all viruses be used in gene delivery? Or is there any particular type of viruses? There are five classes of vectors, currently in an advanced stage of clinical trials for human gene therapy. These include viruses derived from the retroviridae family, such as gamma retroviruses, and lentiviruses, adenoviruses, adeno-associated virus, and herpes viruses. Other viruses, such as vaccinia viruses, are also considered potentially attractive for therapeutic gene transfer but their use is limited to vaccination. I think we still need much preclinical development and validation to make sure their safety and efficacy. Can you go into more detail 
about the characteristics of these five types of viruses, as vectors for gene delivery. Sure. Gamma retroviral vectors have the advantage of efficient transduction, and integration into the host cell genome. But they have the shortcoming of low titers, insertional mutagenesis, and exclusively transduce actively replicating cells. Lentiviral vectors can transduce quiescent cells, in vitro and in vivo. But they are potential for insertional mutagenesis and neat pseudotyping. Adenoviral vectors have very efficient transduction, and high-level transgene expression. But they have the disadvantage of transient transduction, and stimulation of strong inflammatory and immune responses. Adeno-associated viral vectors, can be derived from a non-pathogenic virus, and produce with high titers. But they lack a packaging cell line. Herpes virus vectors have the advantage of persistence in latent form, and large cloning capacity but they are difficult to manipulate, and their pathogenic genes are difficult to identify and eliminate. And with all these types of viruses that are used in gene delivery, what do you think are some essential factors that make a viral vector suitable for gene delivery? I think all viral vectors, if they are to be suitable for gene therapy, most viral protein encoding genes of the genome should have been deleted, especially those potentially pathogenic genes. They should include the cis-acting sequences of the viral genome, which are required to maintain viral replication. Especially those proteins that determine whether the genome is contained in viral particles, and expression of the viral genes required for viral replication, within the virus-producing cells, or some call them the packaging cells. Thank you very much Steve, for sharing your expertise on gene delivery methods today. Oh it's my pleasure to be here. Hope it was helpful.